Philippians chapter 3. Paul is speaking to the Philippian church. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth to those things which are before. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Then in verse 20, he said, our conversation is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, I want to read it again. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. For the next few moments, that's what I'm going to preach about. A high calling. And I believe God has sent me here tonight with a very direct mission. I believe in the generic call of God. All of us are called to reach the lost. All of us are called to do that. But tonight, God has come with a mission for a young man or a young lady or even an old man and an old lady that is willing to surrender. And he's going to speak clearly to you. It's going to give you purpose in his kingdom. If you believe that, I want you to lift both hands. We're going to pray together. And at the end, we're going to conclude it by praying as we were instructed by saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Would you lift your voices as you did a moment ago in worship? Come on, I want it to be as loud as it's been all weekend in here right now. If you're hungry for it, and you won't, and I want you to lift your voice. Come on, that's it, Jesus. I'm available. More than God wants ability, He wants availability. Would somebody just make it known from the outset, I'm available, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I pray right now that you would begin to minister to this body of students. God, I pray that your voice would speak and their ears would hear. Let there be clarity in Jesus' name. Let there be a desire and a will to do whatever it takes. And God, we pray as you instructed us that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray this in the only save and matchless name of Jesus Christ and somebody as loud as you can shout in Jesus name Amen, Amen. give somebody a high five and you may be seated Forgive me for being emotional. Perhaps this will not be the last time tonight that I am emotional. Uh, but I was telling Pastor Matt today, probably only second to seeing someone receive the Holy Ghost for the first time. What brings me the most joy is when I see a young man or a young lady who has an encounter with God, a God moment. And it becomes clear and evident to them and they make that decision that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what God is calling me to do. And I'm going to sever the option of anything else. Amen. 
Has anyone ever received a call and the moment you answered the phone, you knew they had the wrong number? I am always amazed at the aggressive nature of someone who has the wrong number. It's as if they feel like it's our fault that they have the wrong number. See, have I ever witnessed this? Probably not in Canada. You guys are so nice. So they're probably apologizing the moment you answer. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. You know, I kind of feel like I'm at home and the hospitality, the French connection. This is somewhat like Louisiana. Brother Woodward, we're no, we're probably not as nice, but we strive to be. But they act as if it's my fault that they dialed my number and I'm not who they were looking for. I have received calls and someone be on the other line and I'm, hello, yes, it's Lisa. And with the manliest voice I could conjure up, I say, this is not Lisa. How dare you? I'll say, no, sir, you have the wrong number. And they'll say something like, well, who is this? To which I would like to reply, who is this? You called me. But because I'm kind and I have the Holy Ghost, I say, my name is Drew. I apologize that you have the wrong number. It's not my fault, but I'm still sorry. A few years ago, I was at my home church early one morning cleaning the windows and the foyer, or the foyer, as Pastor Matt told me a while ago, the foyer, foyer, the front of the church. And I'm working on my Canadian accent. Brother Neil Carroll's going to help me out. So I was in the front cleaning, and my phone rings. And first of all, the only person, or let me say two people in case my wife is watching. The only two people I like to talk to in the morning are Jesus, sometimes my wife. <laughs> I'm not a big morning talker. Is anybody else like that? You're like, man, I need coffee before anybody says a word to me. Come on, wave your hand if I got a witness right now. See, my wife wakes up in the morning ready to start a full-on conversation. And I'm like, babe, please. But I'm cleaning and my phone rings. And I said, and I usually don't answer unknown numbers, but I thought I would this day. And I said, hello. And this is not a parable. This really happened to me. They said, hello, I'm calling about the free canoe that you're giving away. I said, I apologize, but I have never owned a canoe in my life. Therefore, I cannot give you something I've never owned. They were very kind. Oh, I'm so sorry. Have a great day. And I thought, man, that was the most random call I've ever gotten. Until my phone rings again. I said, no way. So I pick up my phone. Hello? Yes, I'm calling about the free canoe you're giving away. I said, there has been some form of misunderstanding. I am sorry. I do not own a canoe. I have never owned a canoe. I don't even like getting in a canoe. So I'm sorry I can't help you out. And I hang up and I thought, wow. And my phone rings again. <laughs> and this time, this person was a little more inquisitive. I said, hello. And they said, yes, I'm calling about the free canoe. I said, I'm sorry. I don't have a canoe. And they said, is your name Drew? And I thought. 
Yes, it is. And they said, is your number 985? And they spat my number out. I thought, oh, my gosh. I said, yes, it is. And they said, well, your name and your number is in the local newspaper stating that you are giving away a free canoe. (laughs) This really happened. And I thought, I'm going to go talk to pastor. I go in his office, knock on the door. He says, come in. And I walk in and he's kind of got a little smirk on his face. (laughs) He thought it would be funny to play a prank on me put my name in the newspaper for a free canoe. Now, I never knew that a canoe was such a hot commodity. (laughs) Because that day alone, I got 98 phone calls for one canoe. I am not exaggerating. At one time, I had 54 unread voicemails. It got so bad, forgive me, Lord, that I started answering the phone saying, I apologize, I've already gotten rid of it. Because I didn't have the time to explain to everybody that this was a joke. One man was so upset after calling me and leaving a voicemail, he sent me a text message, and this is what he said. Hello, I am trying to get a hold of you about the free canoe. Could you please call me back? And I wanted to say, sir, my mother taught me not to gripe at the free store. You should be a little more kind if you want what I'm offering. You see, it was funny at first. It was four or five calls, but 98 calls in one day is a bit much. And the reason it was funny at first is because it's just laughable. But then it became kind of frustrating because I'm like, I kind of wish they would stop calling because I know this conversation isn't going anywhere because I don't have what they are desiring. I cannot offer them what they are wanting from me. And so it was the case when I first started feeling the call of God. It was kind of funny at first. Jesus, obviously you have the wrong person because I felt as if I did not have to offer that which he was asking for. And so I wrestled with God and I said, I am not the right person. I don't have the right upbringing. I don't have everything that I knew. And I I knew what it was like to go to a service like tonight and go to the altar call where I know I clearly heard God. Only to go out and be met with reality and all the reasons why I could not be what God had just spoken to me to be. And the enemy has a way of appearing at the right time as soon as you come out of a service like tonight. And I would look at myself and I saw no future, only failures, no ministry, only mistakes, only scars and, and, and uh, just reminders of everything I've done wrong. I felt as if Moses, when God started to call him, God calls Moses and Moses begins to immediately disqualify himself. In Exodus chapter three, God speaks to Moses and said, come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh and you're going to bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said to God what we all say to God when we first feel that initial calling. Who am I? Somebody ever said that? If you can be honest, who am I? Pastor Dan, who am I that God would choose me to go to Latvia? Who am I, Moses said. He said, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now watch verse number 12. 
This is how God responded. And he said, certainly, I will be with you. God never answered Moses' initial question of who am I? Because God was trying to show Moses, it doesn't matter who you are. All that matters is I will be with you. And that is enough. I just want to encourage someone that feels like a nobody. That's okay. We're all nobodies. We just serve a big God who's willing to partner with us for his mission in the world. But Moses is still not convinced of the calling. So now he's not questioning himself. Now he's criticizing himself. And he starts telling God about all that's wrong with him. Exodus chapter four, just one chapter later, Moses said unto the Lord, oh my Lord. In the original text that means, oh my Lord. He said, I I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto your servant. He said, God, I got a slow speech. I have a slow tongue. Moses said, God, I have this problem, and I had it before you called me, and I still have it after you called me. He said, just because you called me didn't make my weakness go away. And the Lord responded in verse 11, and the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have I not all the Lord? And this is what he says in verse 12. Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth. Moses said, God, my mouth will mess up my calling. There's something wrong with my mouth, and it's still here. Even though you called me, the calling didn't make the weakness go away. And God said, I'm not going to remove your weakness. I'm going to use your weakness for my glory. God told Moses in chapter three, I'm gonna be with you. And that God told Moses in chapter four, I'm gonna be with your mouth. God's not just with you, he is with what's wrong with you because he knows he's gonna get the glory. Can I tell every young person, God knew your flaws when he called you. God knew your dilemma when he called you. God knew your past when he called you. And he still calls you. Come on, someone needs to give God about 30 seconds of praise. God knew about every mistake. God knew about every failure. But just like with Moses, he is with our mouth. Just want to give you some encouragement. That's why Paul in the New Testament would tell us who God is looking for in the kingdom. And then when he wrote to the Corinthian church about who God was calling, he says this in 1 Corinthians 1. For you see your calling. Everybody say my calling. Everybody say this is my calling. He said, brethren, about your calling, there's not a lot of wise men after the flesh. There's not a lot of mighty. There's not a lot of noble. 
but God will choose the foolish, that which appears to be a bad idea, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God will choose the weak to confound the strong and the base and the despised. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. The reason God uses people like you and people like me is because he knows he's gonna get the glory. You feel like that your issues are the reason God can't use you when in reality, that's the reason God can use you. God has always called people. God will always call people. God has strategically designed his kingdom to forge a partnership between divinity and humanity. God desires to partner with us to accomplish his mission in the world. What an honor that is. And I believe there's always been this soft spot, if you self spot, if you will, in the heart of God for young people. We see when God was getting ready to manifest himself in the flesh that he found two obscure young people to enter the world. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 that the angel visited Mary and said unto her, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. This is what's going to happen tonight. I want you to hear it. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee will be the son of God. God is going to give birth to some ministries tonight because it's going to be as the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon a young lady and a young man. God is calling some young people tonight. Will you be a channel that he can flow through? And I would tell you that there is no greater honor than being called by God to perform a kingdom assignment. That's why Paul said we have a treasure. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. In those times, they would take those vessels and it would transport the oil. And the vessel had no value because once the oil was dumped into the large container, they would throw the vessel aside because it wasn't the container that had value. It was the content in the container that gave it value. And it's not just because we're special, but it's because something is in us. It's this treasure in earthen vessels. And God is wanting to use a young person tonight. I believe wholeheartedly that I'm looking at a room full of Esther's tonight as the Bible would say that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe in 2020 that God is calling students to specific kingdom assignments. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to sit in the bleachers of observation. I want to be on the field of participation. I want Jesus to know if you are looking for anybody to anoint, if you are looking for anybody to use, if you are looking for anybody to empower, if you're looking for somebody to speak to, I'll make sure I've got my ear open. I'll make sure I'm available because Jesus, if you're looking for somebody, I want to be you. I don't want to just sit back in the crowds of mediocrity. 
I want to be used by God. And the pages of scripture are littered with stories of God calling students to fulfill his purpose. Perhaps one of my favorite is in Acts chapter 2. Woven within those 47 verses are these timeless truths that have shaped our lives forever. We see the prayer meaning that lasted 10 days. We see the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We would see thousands later receive the Spirit. We would see Peter, the original Pentecostal preacher, preach the one and only salvation message. But positioned between the preaching and the prayer meeting, there is a powerful prophetic proclamation when Peter would reach back into history and bring it to the present, the prophecy of Joel. And he would say, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then he said this, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And I'm looking for a young person that wants to know, God, I want to be used. God doesn't just want to give it away to someone that doesn't want it. But it's got to be somebody that says, Jesus, how treasure it, how value it, how guard it with my life. God has sent me to Saturday night of youth explosion with a burden and a challenge to every young person, to every young married, to every elder. Will you prioritize Jesus and his kingdom above everything else? Can you hear God calling tonight? David Livingstone, a pioneer medical missionary to Africa, came home and they said, where do you want to go now? And without hesitation, he replied, I am ready to go anywhere, provided it be forward. And I don't know about you. I don't care where the calling takes me. Jesus, I'm ready to go anywhere as long as it's with you. I have no contingency plans. I don't have a long list of things you gotta meet. I don't have any criteria. I just simply have a heart that's hungry to be used. Come on, are there any young people that you really want this? You want to be called by God. You want to be used by God. Then I must caution you that Paul said that we press toward the mark for the high calling. This is a high calling. The call of God is a lofty calling. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the lazy. And it comes with responsibility and a journey that you must be willing to endure. And when God started dealing with me about this, I said, God, I don't want it to sound like I'm trying to talk a student out of being called. God spoke to me and said, Drew, if you can talk them out of their calling, then they're not called. Because when you know you've been called by God, there is nothing that can talk you out of following what Jesus has for you. Guys, ladies, this is a calling that cannot be accomplished with low living because it's a high calling. There's a lot of prayer in this calling. 
There's a lot of fasting in this calling. There are valleys in this calling. There are battles in this calling. There's hardship in this calling. There may be pain in this calling. But most importantly, Jesus is in this calling. And I don't know about you, but I'm willing to endure any wilderness, any desert, any pain, any mockery, any jokes, whatever I got to go through. I want to be called. I know that this is not a life destined for luxury or glam or fame, but I want Jesus to know I'm ready. I know there are going to be responsibilities. There are places I cannot go with this calling. Hear me, guys. There are relationships that I cannot have with this calling. The scripture says, how can two walk together except they be agreed. If you're going to be called, make sure you're linking up with someone who also desires to be called. Or there's always going to be tension and frustration because you can't walk together except you be agreed. I know not everybody wants the high calling, but I feel like there's a bunch of students in here that do. And you see, the higher you go, the smaller the crowd is going to get. There's a reason that on a ladder, the bottom step is much smaller than the top step. There's a room for a few of us down here, but the more that you commit to the calling and you begin to take the journey upward, what you're gonna realize is there's not a lot of room for someone else because not everybody's willing to make this journey, but you've gotta make up in your mind. I know not everybody's comfortable being at the top, but the beautiful thing is, is when you're called by God, you get a perspective that nobody else gets. That's why when God was giving the land out, he told the Levites, I'm gonna be your reward. The most amazing thing about the ministry is we get to see Jesus Christ in a way like nobody else. And I don't know about you, but I want the call of God more than anything in my life. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's gonna be hard. I know there's gonna be pain. I know there's gonna be loneliness. I know there's gonna be mockery. But God, I want this high calling. I want every student to lift your hands right now. I want you to say, God, I'm available. I'm available. I'm willing to take the journey. It doesn't matter how lonely it is. I want the journey. I want the high calling. Come on, I want the high calling. Jesus is calling. I referenced this verse last night that many are calling, called, but few are chosen. Called. And the Greek means, Cleesis, it just simply means to be invited. And the reality is there's going to be an invitation that goes forth at the end. But the word chosen, its original form means selected. Those who accept the calling or the invitation and are willing to do whatever it takes to see that calling be fulfilled. Those of you that take this service beyond the altar call tonight, it's those of you that accept the high calling and it changes your life forever. It's those of you that not only hear the call, but you heed to the call. 
You see, it's one thing to profess a calling. It's another thing to practice that calling every single day. A calling will shape how you live. It'll shape how you pray. It'll shape how you worship. The writer of Hebrews said that this is a heavenly calling. If I'm going to partake of this calling, it takes a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter said, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And too many times I feel like when we leave settings like this, we leave with a lot of inspiration, but no way to find application. So if you will allow me for the next few moments, I want to give you some practical things that you're going to need if you're ready for this high calling. There are three things that I feel that every young person needs if you're going to be called to the high calling. Number one, the first thing that you're going to need is a covering. Everybody say covering. I was with Brother Bounds one time and he taught me this principle. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 said, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. Flies are symbolic of sin, the enemy, Zabab, in the New Testament is Beelzebub, Satan. The apothecary is symbolic of the anointing, the ointment, that precious anointing oil. That Moses wrote in Exodus 30, and thou shalt make oil, a holy ointment, an ointment compound unto the art of the apothecary, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. God told the priest that this anointing, this calling, the ones that I call for my kingdom, this is no ordinary anointing. It cannot be duplicated. It cannot just be given away freely. It's sacred. You've got to protect it, and you can't let flies get in it. And here's the dilemma. Flies are attracted to the anointing. And what Brother Bounds taught me, he said, Drew, there have been a lot of great men who have been anointed and called by God. But somehow they allow, allow the flies to get into the anointing. And he said, the problem is that flies are attracted to it. So how do you fix it? He said, you must have a covering that protects your anointing. You must have a pastor and a pastor's wife that has the ability and you have given them the ability to cover your life. Someone that can look at you and say, that is a fly. That will destroy your ministry. That will destroy your life. Everybody that's going to be called has to have a pastor. I'm not just talking about someone who preaches to you. I'm talking about someone you give access. Pastor, help me. If I'm going the wrong way, tell me. If I'm dating the wrong girl, tell me. If I'm dating the wrong guy. Someone that covers the anointing of the calling. Someone that can detect a fly. A pastor that can tell you when something's not right. A pastor that can see what we cannot. A pastor that knows a fly when he sees it. If you're going to have a high calling, it will always be coupled with a covering. Hear me, guys. No one graduates to a place to where they don't need a pastor. 
I am not talking about the person you look up to on Instagram. That is not your pastor. Come on, in the age of social media, we cannot allow somebody to take the place. I'm talking about somebody that you see on a weekly basis that preaches the word of God to you, that will help you when you're hurting, will pray when you're sick. God, I need a pastor. First Samuel chapter three. The Bible says, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was an open vision, but there was a young person, and it came to pass that when Eli was laid down in his place that his eyes began to wax dim, and he could not see, and the lamp of God went out in the temple where the ark of God was, and there was a young man by the name of Samuel who was laid down to sleep, and the Lord called to Samuel. And Samuel's response to the Lord was, here am I. But Samuel ran to his pastor in verse number six. And watch what he says. Here am I. Samuel's response to God was the same to the man of God. And that's what true submission is. Because I believe when your pastor speaks to you, he speaks from a higher power. It's not just a man, but it's a man of God who's heard from God. But what's amazing to me is Samuel was so familiar with the voice of Eli that when he heard the voice of God, it sounded like his pastor. And when Samuel went to his covering, it was his covering that was able to give him future instruction. The greatest thing you can do when God speaks to you tonight is tomorrow go to your pastor and say, Pastor, you're never going to believe what God spoke to me at Youth Explosion. Now can you help me make this a reality? If you're going to partake of this high calling, you got to have a covering. And watch how God honors submission. 1 Samuel 3, 19. And Samuel grew. Everybody say he grew. And the Lord was with him. And let not one of his words fall to the ground. Don't ever believe somebody that tells you your pastor is hindering your growth. I want every student to hear me, please. Your pastor will not prevent your calling. Your pastor will protect your calling. I know this goes against culture, but we still need somebody that says you're wrong or you're right. We need a covering. God will always honor submission. We cannot have a high calling without a covering. The second thing you must have, if you're going to have high calling, is you got to have consecration. The high calling is not for the carnal. It demands prayer, fasting, separation. Not everybody's going to understand the devotion. Not everybody's going to understand your commitment. But consecration seems crazy to those who haven't heard the sound of the high calling. When you are seeking the high calling, you pray when nobody else in the youth group is praying. 
You're faithful when nobody else is. Callings become casualties if they are not coupled with consecration. If anybody that used to be used of God has walked away, if you could ever get them to be honest, I promise you nine out of ten times what happened is they stopped praying and spending time with God. Because consecration will keep you when emotion fades. Because I understand that not every service, Pastor Matt, is like youth explosion. But consecration is the discipline we talked about last night that says, I heard God call me. And now I'm on the process to see that calling being fulfilled. So I've just got to live every single day with the mindset that I'm called. And I pray when I don't feel like praying. And I read when I don't feel like reading. And I'm separated when I want to do other things. I've got to maintain my consecration because that's what's going to keep me. A calling is sustained by consecration. That's why even Jesus, when he was on the earth, he would teach parables and do miracles, but the Bible would say he would slip away through a mountain to pray because it's private preparation that prepares you for public power. That's why Paul said, I keep my body and bring it unto subjection. Lest by any means when I preach to others, Paul said the last thing I want to do is be somebody that can preach to somebody else but in the end I don't make it. So I've got to keep my body under subjection. Consecration keeps callings from becoming catastrophes. And a spiritual calling requires me to live a spiritual life. And I tell our students at home all the time the only way to be a spiritual person is to do spiritual things got to have a covering. you got to have consecration. And the last thing you must have for this high calling is you must have compassion. A high calling must be coupled with compassion. Compassion is the emotion Jesus feels when he looks at the lost. The Bible said Jesus had this amazing ministry going and teaching and preaching in the synagogues, healing every sickness and every disease in Matthew chapter 9. But in verse number 36, it says, but when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. In the midst of operating in his calling, he maintained a burden for the lost because it's impossible to partake of a high calling without possessing a burden for people who do not know Jesus. When Jesus issued the call to his disciples to follow him, he would couple it with another phrase in Matthew chapter four and verse number 19, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men because with every call to follow, there's always a call to fish. With every call to the Savior, there's always a call to souls. When the Pharisees said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered them like he thought he would. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy might. 
But then he interjected something that stunned the Pharisees. He said, but the second is like unto the first, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all the law hangs on these two commandments. Our love for Jesus is not complete without a love for souls. Hear me, guys. We can not only love him, we've got to love them. Who is them? That's everybody that's not here tonight that doesn't know who Jesus is. I love Acts 2.38. I'm so thankful that I, I came across that verse and I, I've been baptized in Jesus. Name. I'm thankful that Peter stood and preached. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for that. But that's not where he stopped preaching. For the next verse says, for this promise, it's not just for you, young people, but it's for all that are far off. Last year in prayer, God spoke to me and said, Drew, this generation must learn to love Acts 2.39 the way they do Acts 2.38. That is why the first words that God ever spoke to humanity was be fruitful and multiply. He was instituting a principle. What I give my people, I have no desire for it to stay with them. For the promise is for those who are far off. We must be as passionate about proclaiming the promise as we are about possessing the promise. It's a high calling. Pastor Dan, sometimes it takes you across the world because there's 257 million people who don't know God. I understand it's lofty tonight. I want every student in this room to lift your, would you stand up and lift your hands? Peter spoke about you guys. He said, you're a chosen generation. You, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who is called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But if you're going to have this calling, you've got to have a covering. You've got to have consecration. You gotta have compassion. I'm sure most of you have heard this sound before. Would you play it? If you've had an iPhone, you you know what this sounds like. But I want you to close your eyes and imagine that there's a call coming from the heavenlies. And Jesus is calling for a young man. Jesus is calling for a young lady. Say, can you hear my voice? I need somebody to use. Will you allow it to be you? I know it's going to be hard. I know not everybody will understand the journey. But I want the high calling. I'll make sure I have a pastor. I'll make sure I have a covering. I'll make sure I'm consecrated. I'll make sure I have a burden for the lost. But Jesus, I want this high calling. 
God spoke to me three things that were going to happen tonight. Number one, there's going to be consecration. Number two, there's going to be impartation. And number three, there's going to be transformation. But step number one is, I want to know, are there any students tonight that hear the call of God? I want you to come and find you a place to pray. I know not everyone can make it around the front, but we're going to turn the entire sanctuary into a prayer room. Could somebody hear the call of God tonight? Come on, I believe some of you are going to hear nations. You're going to hear provinces. You're going to hear cities. Some of you is just going to be getting plugged into your local church. I know it's hard and I know it's high. But do the students of the Atlantic District hear the high call of God? Come on, I want you to find a place to pray right now. If you just want to kneel at your pew, kneel at your pew. Come on, that's it. Everybody needs to be responding right now. Is to be a response. Pastor Dan's already said it. The only proper response is obedience. Will somebody take the posture of obedience? God, whatever you tell me, I'll do it. I love boy, I got. Come on, let there be a cry that would erupt. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Come on, like never before, make an unchanging commitment. <laughs> I don't want anything else, Jesus, but you.
No more empty commitments. Come on, I feel it right now in the atmosphere. Some of you are saying, but I've tried it before. I want you to do it again. But this time it's going to be back with a lifestyle that leaves this altar. And you're going to begin to go home. And you're going to implement some practices. You're going to develop a prayer time. You're going to develop a relationship with the word. You're going to get some people out of your life. Because you want the high calling. Come on, there needs to be a cry. Jesus. God is about to impart some things into our lives. But right now, there's got to be consecration. (laughs) This has to last longer than when the tears stop flowing. Come on, there needs to be some deep prayers right now. (laughs) Come on, God, I take it with everything it comes with. I don't care what accompanies the calling. I want it. I'll give away my career. I'll give away my expectations. I'll give away any job. I want it. Come on, that's it all over this room. I want you to lift your voice a little higher. Lift your voice and let the spirit begin to pray out of you right now. This is not based on my emotion. Jesus, I'm making this a life decision. I'm never going back. That's it. That's it. There's hunger here right now. I 
I'm so thankful for every elder that's here. Would you pray for these students right now? I know that I preach to them, but we are nothing without you. Every elder that's in this room, I'm asking you right now to pray. Your prayers are powerful. God's transforming the life of every student in this room that wants it. All right, I want every student, give me your attention for just a moment. You don't have to get up if you'll just listen. We have positioned ourselves and we have put ourselves in a place to show God how bad we want it. Now here's what's about to happen. I've asked Pastor Wilbert to come and pray as the leader of this local church in this conference. I'm gonna ask if Pastor Jack, Pastor Matt, if you're in the ministry, I'm gonna ask that you make your way to the front. You don't have to come on the platform, but if you can just make your way to the front. Here's what I feel is about to happen. There's about to be impartation. And God is about to deposit some things into your spirit that are never going to leave. Some of you, like Pastor Dan, you're going to see nations. For some of you, it's just at your local church. God just plugging you in. There's no big eyes and little use in the kingdom. Every calling is necessary. Don't minimize your calling. Some of you, it may be being the usher at your church. For years, my, my job, Brother Warwick, was just to clean the premises. You know how many times I preached to a toilet? I was so embarrassed one time, I was taking out the trash, preaching to a trash can, and a man from our church pulled up. I looked like a fool. She said, are you preaching to the trash can? And I wasn't even preaching my own message. I was rehearsing a Scott Graham message I memorized. Just serving. Because that's what ministry is. It's just being a servant. Pastor Dan, that just says, God, wherever I need to serve, I'll serve. But Brother Woodward's going to come and pray. And he's going to release some things into this place. And I want you to lift, lift your hands and get ready to receive it because after the impartation, there's going to be transformation and you're going to begin to turn and minister one to another and the gifts of the Spirit are about to be in operation in a way like you have never seen. I want to know, do you want it tonight? Come on, are there any young men and young ladies that say, I want it? So if you're a pastor, if you're a youth pastor, a leader, when Brother Wilbert goes to pray and releases, I want you to make your way through the crowd and begin to pray for these young people. Brother Wilbert, I want you to come. Young people, I want you to lift your hands. Come on, there's about to be an impartation. I want you to prepare yourself. As Pastor Wilbert goes to pray, come on, lift your voice. <laughs> 